And for our scripture reading, there's actually two portions I want to read. The text will be out of Luke 22, but please turn with me also to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12 for a little context. We'll read the first part of Exodus chapter 12. Beginning at verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. Exodus chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. As speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat, eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire." its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire, and thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, And will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from this day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. And on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread. For on this same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. So we'll leave off the reading here. And you can read the entire chapter at home for your own benefit. Let's turn now to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. 
and we will read the first 13 verses here. Luke chapter 22, beginning at verse 1. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, him to them in the absence of the multitude. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water, Follow him into the house where he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said said to them. And they prepared the Passover. This is... This far, our scripture reading. Dear congregation, God tells us often not to worry and not to be afraid. And the reason is because He has a purpose for everything that happens in our own life, personally, individually, but also nationally and in this world. And especially when we see everything that's rising up in our world today to so many things happening and in a way you can see how the world is starting again to to focus and target against the church of Christ and against many of the biblical standards but at the same time do we heed God's word to when he says do not fear do we believe that he has a purpose for everything that has happened in our lives and in our world And that he is preparing his church, that he's preparing his people for that redemption. And today in our text, Christ shows how he has prepared everything for that redemption. That even though every force in this world would oppose Christ and his church, God used those very forces that were opposing him then to bring about that salvation. That every circumstance that there was around the Lord Jesus Christ was controlled and directed to save his people. And Jesus had said in Luke 17, verse 25, that he will come to establish his kingdom soon. But he said, first he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And that preparation for that suffering was really coming together here in Jerusalem. And so our theme for this afternoon is God prepares for the final Passover. God prepares for the final Passover. And the first thought we see 
as he does that according to his own institution. I read from Exodus chapter 12 because it showed where he had instructed his people uh, to, to begin observing the Passover and what it was. But now in Luke 22, for our text tonight, we begin looking at verse 1. It says, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And it says here, the feast of the unleavened bread, which is called a Passover, even though there was, there were two separate feasts, they were so closely related, they even used the names interchangeably. And so the feast of unleavened bread started at the day when the Passover lamb was killed. And it would last for the seven days following that. And during those days, the Jews were not permitted to eat any leavened bread. All leaven, all yeast had to be removed. And that would symbolize the removal of all sin. And so the Passover was one of the most important feasts for the Jews. They had to observe it every year. And it was meant to remind them how God had delivered them out of slavery from Egypt. And children, do you remember then what happened at the the first Passover in Egypt? You remember how Moses was telling Pharaoh that God said, let my people go. And Pharaoh would not listen. And God had already sent nine plagues upon the people of, of Egypt. And now there would be one more plague. And a tenth plague would result in the death of all the firstborn in Egypt. God would punish the enemy. But at the same time, He would also deliver His people. And do you remember what the Lord instructed the Israelites to do, children? He said that they had to take, every family had to take a lamb on the 10th day of the month Nisan, which is March or April. And it had to be the lamb, a lamb without blemish. It had to be a lamb of the first year. And they, there could be nothing wrong with it. And they had to keep this lamb with them. And then on the 14th day, they had to kill that lamb. They'd have to take the blood from that lamb and they'd have to smear it on the doorpost and on the lintel of the door. And then together inside the house that evening, they would have to eat the meat. And that same night, God's angel would come into the land of Egypt and he would kill all the firstborn in the houses and the places where this blood was not on the door. And that's what we read in, in Exodus 12 or 13. But the Lord said, When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So children, the Lord would pass over those houses of the children of Israel where he saw that blood on the door, and they would not die. They would be safe behind that, behind that blood. But in that night, all the firstborn in the land of Egypt were killed. From Pharaoh's house to every house to, to even to in the prisons. And the animals, the firstborn died. But not a single one of the Israelites died because they were safe behind the blood on the door. The blood of the lamb. And in that night, Pharaoh let his, the people go. 
And so the Lord commanded Israelites to keep this Passover every year. And so when their children began to begin to ask them, what, what does this mean? They had to tell them. That's what Exodus 12 verse 26 says, that they had to say it is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And then it says the people bowed the head in worship. So it's a feast to remember and to worship the Lord for delivering them from their slavery in Egypt. And now in the New Testament time, it's the Lord's Supper that replaces that Passover. The Lord's Supper is a feast to remember how the Lord delivers you from your slavery to sin and from death. And so the Passover, it really, it, it pointed towards the Lord Jesus Christ, how, how he would have to die as the Lamb of God for our sins. And it shows how we need to be covered also with his blood. His blood needs to come between us and the wrath of God against our sin. And the Lord's Supper also points back to that fact how the Lord Jesus did die for the sins of his people. And it's only the blood of the Lamb. It was only the blood of the Lamb that the Israelites had on the door of their houses that protected them from the wrath of God. And it's only the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that protects, that can protect you and me from the wrath of God against our sin. And so do you remember what John the Baptist said when he was by the Jordan and he saw the Lord Jesus coming? He said, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. He was showing that here the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who everything was pointing to. And Paul said, For Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. And it shows us that it is His blood that must be applied to the doors of our hearts. Because it's not enough to know that the Lord Jesus died for sinners. It's not enough to know that God sent His only beloved Son into this world to save sinners. But it must be for us. We need to be covered in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need the forgiveness of our sins through this Lamb of God. But now, here in Jerusalem, we read how the Jews are now preparing for this feast again that they had to remember every year, the feast they had to commemorate every year. And so these little lambs are being prepared, and you can imagine in the city of Jerusalem, every family would have found their lamb. They would have got to the, gone to the market or the farmers, and they would have picked out a, a, a nice lamb. But the Lord Jesus also arrives here in Jerusalem because God is also preparing for this feast. And that's what we see then in the second place. God prepares for this feast by the means of wicked men. If you look at verse 2, it says, The chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. And here we see that even the enemies of God are in his hand. They wanted to get rid of Jesus. That's what this word implies. It means... They wanted they, that they might kill him. That means eliminate him. But God works in mysterious ways. 
And even though these verses are, are full of wickedness, of deceit and hatred, God is the one who instituted the Passover to point forward to the Lord Jesus Christ. And God will also prepare this final feast. And he's sovereign over even the most wicked people and the most wicked practices in this world. All to bring about his own purposes. Because here we can see all the powers of earth gathered against Christ. And if you turn to Acts 4 verse 26. In 4 verse 26 it says the kings of the earth stood up. And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. But then Acts 4 verse 28 says, To do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. That even though the kings and the rulers of the earth gathered together against Christ, they were only able to do what God had purposed, to, uh, determined to be done. And here the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill Jesus. But then Peter said in Acts 2 verse 23, Him, the Lord Jesus, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by lawless hands have crucified and put to death. He puts the blame on the people who crucified the Lord Jesus. And yet he says it was determined by the the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. And so Christ, the Passover lamb, is being prepared by the means of wicked men. And if you look at who these chief priests and scribes were, they were the political and the religious leaders of the nations. They were the educated leaders. They were the the representatives of God for the nation. They should have been the ones to recognize the Messiah when he came. But instead they sought how they might kill him. But then we see also Judas. Judas, one of the Lord Jesus' own disciples a close friend and a student for those three years. And verse 3 says that Satan entered Judas. He was a thief. And he was covetous. And he loved his money. And the book of James says that we are tempted when we're drawn away by our own desires and or lusts. Here Judas was fully drawn away by his own desire for money. He was wholly given over to Satan's directions. And so in verse 4, he he goes to the chief priests and captains. He wanted to betray his own master for some money. Jesus had said earlier in Luke 9, let these words sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. And so here Judas, he made an agreement to betray the Lord Jesus for some perishable money. He had warned him often enough in Luke 16 that you cannot serve both God and money. Sooner or later your heart will show you which one your heart is set on. Judas loved his money. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And that is why we need to know, where is your heart? So we see the rulers, we see Judas, but we also see that there is Satan, that mortal enemy and that father of lies. He was created to be one of the bright and the shining angels. But in his pride, he fell. He succeeded in tempting Eve in the garden. 
He tempted the Lord Jesus in the wilderness, but could not attempt him to sin. In Luke 4, it says he departed from the Lord Jesus for a season, and now he's back. Now he's back in full force. He sees an opportune time to use whatever means possible to destroy the Lord Jesus. And so we must not be surprised when there's different times and seasons in our life. And when Satan seems to attempt or assault us in various ways, we must not be surprised when we can even be betrayed in this world, as Jesus told us in Luke 21, verse 16, only a few verses before. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends. And the Lord Jesus was also betrayed by a close friend. So here we see the deadliest and the most powerful weapons that this world has converging against the Lord Jesus. There's the intimidating power of the political and religious leaders joining forces, and later they would be joined by the Roman Empire. We see the subtle power of deceit using Judas as a traitor. Remember in Satan, the Lord, or in paradise, sorry, Satan used a serpent known to be the most subtle, the crafty animal to, to lie to Eve. Here he uses Judas, his close friend. And he uses a very subtle form of deceit, a, a kiss of friendship. Another power we see here is the alluring power of, of the world's strongest tool, money, to draw Judas away. And they used the darkness to cover themselves. They would come upon Jesus at night. And they had, uh, they had the alliance of the chief enemy, Satan himself. And so Christ here, he truly experienced what Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Everything seems to be lining up in their favor, doesn't it? Now they just need the right time. How many parallels can we draw in our own time for this, for, for, with this? So many things seem to be lining up in this world, doesn't it? Against Christ and against His church. But we see that the time is in God's hands. Verse 2 says that the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill Him, for they feared the people. They wanted to wait until the feast was over, Matthew 26 or 5 says. Then they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar. During the feast, the, the city had maybe 50,000 people living there during the year, and during the feast it could increase to half a million. Is it not the best time to kill Jesus? The people love to hear him. They love to come to him for healing and to see his miracles. And if there was an uproar in the city, that would cause the Roman soldiers to to crush the rebellion. And so they had to look for a better time. Judas would help. But their plans had to wait for the right time. And that time is God's time. The death of the Lord Jesus could not be postponed till after the Passover. And it could not be sped up to be ahead of the Passover. And so we can see how God hinders 
all these wicked forces from executing their plan only because they feared the people. And even though all these powers united against the anointed Christ, they really could do nothing. They could not act outside the permission of God. And what a comfort that is for us. And whatever you may be facing or seeing in this world, knowing that nothing can happen outside the permission of God. He says in Psalm 33, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people to no effect. The Passover pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the Lamb of God, He could not be killed before the Passover, neither could He wait till after the Passover, but He needed to be killed during or at the Passover. He'd be crucified and buried on the evening before the Sabbath day, the evening before they celebrated the Passover feast. So though he'd be crucified and slain by the means of wicked men, it would be at God's appointed time. Whatever's happening in your life today is also at God's appointed time. But more than that, we see thirdly that it's also for God's appointed purpose. In Egypt, the Passover lamb was killed on the evening before the angel of death came. And the Jews were instructed to keep the Passover feast on the evening of the 14th day. And then they were to kill the lamb. Now verse 7 says, Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And here it's a different word. The word for killed here is different than in verse 2. In verse 2 it meant eliminate. The the scribes and Pharisees, you wanted to kill the Lord Jesus to eliminate it. But here in verse 7, Passover must be killed, that it means sacrificed. Not to eliminate the Lord Jesus, but He, His death was a sacrifice for sin. It was the atoning sacrifice, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, for even Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. He's a substitutionary sacrifice. And this lamb was to be sacrificed instead of his people. And Christ died instead and for his people so that you can live. And so for more than 1,500 years, this Passover feast pointed ahead to when this Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, would come. And now the day came to which all these feasts, all these sacrifices, and all the prophecies pointed. The whole history of the world rotates around this coming sacrifice. Yes, even the salvation of your own soul revolves around this sacrifice. On this day, when the Passover must be killed, verse 7. Jesus had told his disciples that plainly. Where he was going, what he was going to do. That he would be betrayed, that he would suffer, that he would die. He was the Lamb of God. And then that Feast of Unleavened Bread would follow the Passover. All leaven and all yeast would have to be removed from their houses for those seven days representing the removal of all sin. And this Christ would be that one great sacrifice to put away all sin forever. 
And that's why John said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, and whose blood cleanses from all sin. And that's why Paul then says further in 1 Corinthians 5, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. He's calling all his people to put away sin, to be cleansed with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is God's purpose. This is what God is directing all this towards. The providence of God directed the timing of all these wicked men. But now the providence providence of God also guides the preparation on the disciples' sides. In verse 8, he, Christ sends Peter and John to go prepare the Passover so they could eat it together. And so the disciples ask him where they should prepare in verse 9. And in verse 10, the Lord sends them to the city where he says they'll meet a man carrying a pitcher of water. He normally would likely be the women carrying water. So this is likely something very unusual and easy to detect. And they were to follow him to a house. And they were to ask the master of the house where the guest room was. And they'd be shown to a large furnished room where they could prepare for the Passover. And that's where, that's where they had to prepare. So here we can notice that there's, there's a sense of calm and a clear and very precise leading of God's direction. If you think about this, all around them there was conspiracy, there was wickedness, there was deception, and there was darkness, how they were plotting to kill the Lord Jesus. But here the disciples followed the command of Jesus calmly during the light of the day. They're led very clearly to a specific place where they can eat the first Lord's Supper, as it turns out, a feast that will be used to comfort them and remind them of Christ for the rest of their lives. And in verse 13, it says that they found a place just as he had said to them. And there they prepared for the Passover. And so you can see it is with that calm, steadfast determination that Christ prepared to be the final Passover lamb sacrificed for us. He prepared perfectly what God had determined and planned from eternity. And he came to shed his blood on the cross for sinners like you and me. And when the Lord sees that blood of the Lamb of God covering your sin. His judgment passes over. And that is what we need. So let's see a few lessons that we can draw from this. Because if we think about this as Paul did in Romans 8, he said, if God be for us, then who can be against us? And that's true for those who are indeed covered by the blood of Christ. Because what really can make the difference? Here was Peter and here was Judas. Both disciples, both called by the Lord Jesus to follow. Both taught by him, both heard him preach. Both saw the miracles, both saw Lazarus raised from the dead. Both saw the blind eyes opened of various people. Both were sent to preach. 
Peter left all and followed Christ and said, To whom else can we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Judas left Christ and followed his money and perished with it. Only the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ makes the difference. It's like the blood of the Passover lamb was on the doorposts. And that made the difference for who died that night in Egypt and who remained alive. In Luke 22, verse 31, a few verses later, Jesus told Peter that Satan desired to have him too. But Jesus interceded for him. It is Christ who came for his people. It is not by chance. It's not left up to us to face the opposition alone. It's not up to us to finish the work that Christ has begun. But Christ has finished this work completely. He prepared and he finished. And Christ did not, does not say that he has done his part and now it's up to us to do the rest. No. God prepared. And God finishes. And the salvation of sinners is 100% in the hands of God. That is what we need. We need His finished work in our hearts. And when the people of, in Acts 2 ask Peter, what, what must we do to be saved? He says, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. We need this blood applied to our hearts. And this blood is available to, to cover every sinner today. We see this is a warning for those who fight against Christ, whether we are in this church or in this world, or even the most wicked, the most influential and powerful rulers are only controlled by God. And no evil plan will succeed. Because ultimately they all work out for, for the good to those who love God. For the purpose which we, He has ordained from eternity. And this is such a comfort for those who love the Lord, who trust in the Lord and who seek to follow Him. Because these disciples could walk so calmly in the path that the Lord Jesus had instructed them. Even while the enemies plotted and sought how to kill the Lord Jesus they could calmly go about their business. And everything happened exactly how the Lord Jesus said it would. With everything happening today, there seems to be so much plotting. So much plotting against Christ and His church. The humanist movement makes it clear that they believe they will crush Christianity. That is, that is their aim in this country. They have said they want to eradicate it, and especially through the public school system. Political leaders and branches of, of religious leaders are joining forces. They're making plans. They're making new laws, promoting their beliefs, trying to outlaw biblical beliefs. There are traitors. There are false teachers in the churches. There are Judases seeking to betray Christ. There are pastors who openly come out as living contrary to God's law and promoting immoral lifestyles. There's people who are infiltrating the churches to try to erode it from inside out and to undermine it. Satan still goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. We have our own sinful heart that still rises up against us everywhere. 
When we seek to do good, how often do we fail? Even this morning when we heard about what it means to observe the Sabbath day, we have to confess we can't. But we have so many sins. But then God's providence overrules it all. He guides you in the path that you should go. He says, I will lead you in the way that you do not know. If we follow His Word, if we follow in the footsteps of His flock, we will find it exactly as He has said it to be. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. He tells us to walk faithfully and not to fear, and to look unto Him. The enemies could not speed it up. The enemies could not slow it down. But at God's time, He will redeem His people from destruction. And it's one thing that we need. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God to cover us. For then His judgment passes over us. And then it doesn't matter who is against us in this world as God, if God is for us in His grace and with His Spirit. Do you know of this blood of the Lamb in your heart today? Have you sought for it by His Word and by His Spirit? Is this what you need? Because it is God who prepares it for His people. We cannot do it, but God has done it. Seek Him then in prayer that He would do it to your heart. And that you may know that you are covered in the blood of the Lamb. That your sins are washed and cleansed. That His judgment passes over. And that He looks upon you in His favor as He does in His only begotten and well-beloved Son. Here this final Passover was prepared by God. According to His own institution as He planned even from eternity even though it was brought about by the means of wicked men, it was all done for His divine purpose. So the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was shed for the remission of sins. And behind this blood, you are safe even as the Israelites were safe, behind the blood and the doors of their house. 